Will out there. Uh, how is internet land today? <laughs> this is the Pristine Grace live stream, and I'm your host, Brandon Kraft. And uh, today is Thursday, December 12th, 2019. And uh, we are now being piped into Sermon Audio, Facebook, and YouTube. So, hope all your folks listening out there are having a good day. I, uh, I certainly am, as the Lord has blessed me and kept me in the gospel of Christ. And it is this gospel that gives me great joy. Even when my days seem like they aren't going so well, when I appear to be having a bad day, it is this gospel message that reminds me that the day is actually good. Alright, because, you know, God's in control and causes all things to work for good to those who love him. Alright, so remember that when you're having a rough go of things, it's for your own good. And hopefully this knowledge will turn your bad day into a good day if you're having one of those days. I'd uh, like to personally thank my friend in Christ and brother in the gospel, Renat Ilyasov, from Russia, for agreeing to allow me to use his videos on the Sermon Audio channel. He has a lot of great videos and has really been cranking out some good content in the English language. His native language is Russian, of course, uh, being from Russia, but uh, he's got some excellent content in English. So if you haven't had an opportunity to, to check them out, I do recommend you, you see them. Check them out on YouTube. Or on he's now on the, Ser the Pristine Grace Sermon audio page. And also, there's another gospel preacher you need to be checking out online. His name is Gabriel Gonzalez. Most of my listeners here, they've, you've probably heard of him. You guys are probably friends on Facebook. But he is going to be broadcasting. This is really exciting. This is going to be, he's going to be broadcasting on the Pristine Grace Facebook page and the Sermon Audio page at 11 a.m. Pacific time every Sunday, Lord willing. That's uh, That would be 1 p.m. Central Time. I can't always catch it because I'm usually busy with something going, you know, either at church or somewhere. But uh, his preaching is excellent. And so that is why I invited him to, to speak on Pristine Grace. And he has graciously agreed to that. And it's an honor to have him. because And, and because he doesn't oversee or pastor a church, you know, he's relatively unrecognized out there. And it, it's a tragic event, in my opinion, when God's servants go unrecognized by virtually everybody. So I'm going to try to help change that for our brother Gabriel. So if you're listening, Gabriel, I want to say thank you. And to everyone listening, please make him feel welcome here on Sundays. His preaching is going to be mostly expository while I continue to focus on more of the topical studies on Thursday night. This weekend I uh, traveled to the church in Jackson, Missouri, and I enjoyed some gospel fellowship there with Drew and Melinda Dietz in the Workmen's and Melinda Ashley from Illinois, and Nathan was not there. He was up, actually up in Rock Valley, Iowa, preaching for his dad, Joe, Joe Terrell, and uh, so I missed him, but hopefully I get to see him again soon, because I plan on going back there again this Sunday. That is if it doesn't snow on me. <laughs> and lots of and lots of ice. Also, um, we you know we uh, had a great time in worship together, and 
true gospel fellowship is such a blessing when it's online, but in my opinion, it's something that's even better offline, and it's a wonderful thing that all believers will seek out once they've enjoyed friendship and unity in the gospel. And I say that because we've got a lot of uh, folks that listen in, a lot of people that come to our webpage, and they've got a lot of fellowship online with folks, but not offline. And I know that's not, you know, usually through any fault of their own. But I just would like to encourage everybody out there, if you, if you don't have an opportunity, see if you can find one <laughs> to meet with uh, other believers face-to-face. -face. So that's all I had to say about that. That's enough for introductions. I'm going to go straight to our today's message. I've been talking a little bit too long already, probably. And uh, so today's message is entitled, True Evangelism. All right, so some of you may be uh, looking forward to this. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. What is evangelism? That's that's the question. And that's a question I'm asking all of you to think about right now. What is it? You hear about it all the time. You hear about it all the time today on Facebook and out there. And churches and church organizations, they spend a lot of time talking about evangelism. All right. They talk about missions and making converts and street preaching. Maybe that's something you had in your mind when you hear the word evangelism. Maybe you think of planting churches and, in, and increasing numbers in, in your church. All right. And a lot of these organizations, they go to great lengths to make a convert. But I contend today that most organizations don't understand evangelism, okay? And I'll get to that in a minute. Most churches and organizations in the world today would take one look at me and say that I don't, and say that I don't believe in evangelism either. They would say the same thing about me. They would say I don't, I don't understand evangelism, but I, they don't understand evangelism. They, they would say, I don't believe in it. I say they don't understand it. They would sneeringly call me a mean and a high, harsh hyper-Calvinist. Okay, I've been called that before many times. A uh, very prominent minister, I'm not going to name right now, who's known and loved by thousands of people online, he even called me out many years ago and labeled our webpage, pristinegrace.org, as, quote, teaching that the gospel is not to be preached indiscriminately to unbelievers. Okay? He said that. Yeah, he even wrote about it. And uh, just it just floored me. Why would somebody say such a thing? Why would he say that? You know, I think it's because he doesn't or didn't understand evangelism. He didn't understand it. All right? And I would contend that he probably still doesn't understand what evangelism is. And by the way, uh, I responded to this famous preacher in an, in an article entitled, Hyper-Calvinism is the Truth, a response to Phil Johnson. So if you haven't read it, I would encourage you to check it out. All right, Renat even converted into the Russian language many years ago. So it's even on, it's even in Russian on the, on the Pristine Grace website if you're if you're inclined to uh, read it in Russian. 
Okay. But anyway, this accusation that I don't believe in preaching the gospel is probably the most common accusation I have found amongst those in the church world regarding me, all right, and regarding those who agree with me. Oh, don't listen to Brandon, they might say. He's mean. He's against evangelism. Oh, stay away from that website. Stay away from Pristine Grace. It's against evangelism. They don't believe in preaching the gospel, they say. All right? And because of this, all this talking that was going on in the, the hyper-Calvinism craze back in the day, I took the nickname Darth Gill, okay, years ago. I took it. And back, th back then, I took the name because it was popular at the time to not go by your real name on the Internet. This is before Facebook came around, all right? Before everybody was... You could see everybody's real name. You'd go on a message board and you were known by some uh, alias. All right, so I took the name Darth Gill. <laughs> it was a tongue-in-cheek name that I used, and unfortunately, uh, some people actually took it seriously and really did think that I was this mean and harsh and arrogant guy that was all like Darth Vader, okay? <laughs> but I, 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 I've been mischaracterized greatly, okay? I, it's simply not true that I don't believe in evangelism, all right? I love evangelism, but not as they understand it, not as they understand it. So I draw these accusations, and I suspect, Lord willingly, I, uh, I will continue to do so for a long time to come. And if you believe like me, you probably will as well. You see, I... I think most people understand evangelism as proselytizing, as making converts. They see it as simply going out there and making converts. That's what they view evangelism is. And I'm against that, all right? God's people don't need to be cajoled or buttonholed into anything. They don't need to be proselytized. And as believers, we don't nor can we make converts. God's got his elect sheep out there, and when they hear the historical account of Christ, they will believe, and they will take great joy in the news that they've heard. Okay, You can't reason somebody into the kingdom. You can't make a strong enough argument that would make someone willing to worship the same God that you do. Alright? Because they're unable to. Yeah, unless they're God's people. But if you, if you didn't look to rest Look to and and rest in God and the sovereign God of Scripture. You might think otherwise, all right? And that's why people get caught up in this. They don't understand that eyes must be given to see, ears must be given to hear. Okay. So let's go to the scriptures now, if you don't mind. If you would, I'm going to go straight here. Or straight here to uh, Romans 10, and I'm going to read verse 15. Romans 10, 15. All right. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Glad tidings of good things. The gospel is glad tidings of of good things. It's 
That's what the gospel is. It's good news. All right? That's what Paul said right here, Romans 10, 15. And he's, it's really good news for those who know that they're sinners, those that are burdened with their sin. And for those who don't struggle with their sin, it's just a nice story. It's not good news to them. They aren't really relieved to hear it. But for God's sheep, they're given, they're given eyes to see who they are before God. You see, God's got his elect sheep out there. He's got his elect scattered out there amongst the, amongst the world. And the Spirit comes to them and reveals their need for a Savior. And the gospel comes as good news to them. Do you, do you view the gospel that way? You know, converts don't need to be made. Preachers don't need to be making converts because God converts his people at his appointed time. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 13. We're going to read a few verses here as well. All right, turn with me to Acts chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 44. All right. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? Then uh, Paul and Barabbas, or Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, well, we turn to the Gentiles. Doesn't look like he's trying to make converts there, does he? <laughs> For so hath the Lord command us, commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. They were glad. And glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Look at that. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. Sounds like they heard some good news. Sounds like good news to me. Alright? And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. I don't know if you can get any more clear than that. Seems, seems quite clear to me. All right, The gospel was preached. Those who were ordained to eternal life believed because it came as good news to them. Seems pretty clear. Let's go to a, another chapter in Acts. Okay? And I, and I love this one. I like to read about it a lot. You all are probably very familiar with this story. It's about Lydia. Okay? The seller of purple from Thyatira. Okay, what is purple anyway? I haven't been able to figure it out entirely. There's been all kinds of speculation on it. Maybe it was a type of medicine. Uh, John Gill says it was either purple silks or purple dye, as it was the blood of juice of a turbinated shellfish. Anyway, that's an interesting study, but I'm not going to get into it any further than I've gotten into in this message. But uh, I love the story so much of Lydia that I just, I just wanted to know exactly what was going on in the story, so I did a little research into it and went down the purple rabbit hole, so to speak. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, seller of purple. Lydia's a seller of purple, and it doesn't matter that she's selling purple. I just 
like to talk about it. But let's get into the text. All right. So if you're uh, if you're in chapter 16, or if you're in the book of Acts, go ahead and turn to chapter 16. And Luke, Luke and Paul are, Paul are traveling around on their journeys, and uh, they happen upon this lady named Lydia. All right. Love this story. Love it, love it, love it. And uh, chapter 16, verse 13. And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down, and spake unto the women which resorted thither. I love that name. I love that word, thither, too, <laughs> which means there, you know, which resorted there. And a, a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us. She overheard. And whose heart the Lord opened. Okay. That she attended unto the things that which were spoken of Paul. Uh, I love this. I love this verse. It's a beautiful verse. Lydia just happened over here what was going on. She didn't need to be cajoled. Okay. She didn't need to be reasoned with. She didn't need to have advanced uh, uh, presuppositional apologetics used. Which, by the way, I do love presuppositional apologetics. But she didn't need those. She didn't need to be, she, an excuse or an apology did not need to be made. She didn't need to, be, need to be given warm food or clothes either, okay? She didn't need a fancy PowerPoint presentation, all right? She didn't need to be told that God loved her and had a plan for her. Nope. What she needed was to have her heart opened, okay? And the Lord did that. Whose heart the Lord opened. It says that clearly. All right, and then she attended unto the things of Paul, the gospel message, and it was good news to her. Let's read that. I want to read that verse again, okay? <laughs> and a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. Well, just I'll look at that. Look at that passage. An eye-popping example of gospel conversion. Alright? And it's as plain as day. It's all by sovereign grace. God causes his people to believe at his appointed time. He causes them to believe the good news. He opens hearts. He opened Lydia's heart, and I'm sure it came as good news to her. Okay? And of course, the next verse says, She and her household were baptized, having presumably believed the gospel. And that is an example of true evangelism. All right, I love to preach the gospel. And I love telling it to anybody who's going to listen. Okay, Who the Lord leads to me in providence. Paul didn't go looking for Lydia. <laughs> but he was led to her in providence. Because it's God that does the converting. And I've seen folks come to believe the truth through the website. Through pristinegrace.org. One guy I even met in an internet chat many years ago. He was messed up. You know, he was seeking near-death experiences with some drug called ketamine, I think, and uh, was nearly overdosing on this stuff. And uh, one day he woke up and realized he needed God after having a near uh, encounter with death. 
So he jumped on the internet and searched for God or Jesus on Google, having no experience or no knowledge of the Bible. And he was led into a little internet chat room I was in at the time, and I preached the gospel to him. And he's a solid, free, and sovereign grace believer today. You might have you might have even met him on Facebook. He's not on Facebook anymore, but he's there. His name's Scott Onansky. All right, and it was great. This was around I don't know 15 years ago. Solid believer. All right, I can give you his contact information. I'm sure he'd love to tell you his story, and it's a lovely story. And I didn't I didn't try to convince him. He came asking questions. He came to me. God sent him sent him into my path, and I told him the truth. And the Lord opened his heart, and he believed. Okay, he didn't believe, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't come with any, you know, I didn't have to give him free food, I didn't have to give him a tract, I didn't have to do anything, he just, it was good news to his, to his ears, good news to his heart, good news to his, to his entire being, and uh, that's what the gospel is, okay, and another thing you're never going to hear in my preaching is an offer, all right, or one of God's love for everybody. Yeah. But, you know, folks think this is part and parcel with gospel preaching today, and they're shocked to hear that I'm against that. And they think, and I think it's because they reason nobody's going to believe unless they hear certain things. They don't see the gospel the same way that I do. I see the gospel as the historical facts about Christ and his salvation, all right? And as good news as we've already gone over, but other people see the gospel as the way to save people, all right? And I'm going to repeat that again for you. I see the gospel as the message of the historical facts of Christ and his accomplished redemption of his people. And preaching the gospel is to preach those facts, those propositions, those facts come as good news or glad tidings to the elect, to God's people that he has redeemed. But others, other religionists, everybody else out there that say they preach the gospel, they see everybody as redeemable. Not as redeemed, not the elect having been redeemed, but as redeemable. And that the gospel is the means by which people are made into God's people. Alright? They think you become God's people by believing. So, if you were to ask them if the gospel was good news, they would say, yeah, it is, to everybody. Alright? <laughs> but it's not, good. it's not good news for everybody. Christ didn't live and die for everybody. Okay? He, he came to save his people. Matthew one twenty one clearly says that. Let's, I'm just going to read it to you. Matthew 1.21, And he, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And he's not saving them from hell. He's not saving everybody. He's saving his people from their sins. Okay? Not everybody who will ever live. It's his sheep that will believe. Christ's people that he came to save. And he said as much throughout his entire ministry. Okay? So I'm going to read one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And I say that every time. Because I, every time I read it, and so I, this is my favorite chapter. But uh, John 10. John is such a great book. It's probably the my favorite gospel. 
Um, my favorite gospel books is probably out of the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'd say John's my favorite. And John chapter 10 is just great. If you haven't read it, I do encourage you to read it. All right, so I'm going to read uh, parts of chapter 10 here. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to skip around a little bit. All right, I'm starting in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. The sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were, which he spake unto them. Alright, it's because he didn't want them to understand. Alright, verse 14. Let's skip down from 6 to 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, which would be the Jewish fold. Them also I must bring, okay? He's talking about the Gentiles. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold, one people of God, and one shepherd. Okay? Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And there was a division again, therefore again, amongst the Jews for these things. Of course. Alright, and skipping on down to verse 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. You're not going to believe unless you're a sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And uh, I, I don't think I can give that those passages enough attention. Not, 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 not today. But let's. I want to read. Uh, let's see, I want to read uh, chapter 25 through 27 again. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. God's people, God's sheep, Hear their master's voice calling for them. They are lost sheep. The gospel was good news. That's the good news they needed to hear. And they do believe. But people who never believe, they're not God's sheep, obviously. you know, And they believe not because they're not one of God's sheep. All right, and I know people like to quote John three sixteen a lot. Oh, you you see it all over the place. You see it in the 
sporting events, people holding up large banners, John 316. You see it on t-shirts. John 316. For God so loved the world, they say. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The world. Therefore, you've, I've proven everything. Brandon, what you're saying is wrong. God loved the world. But they quote it out of context. Look, in John 17, in the, in the garden, Christ is not praying for everybody. He's only praying for his sheep. It says there in John 17, 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. I pray not for the world. But for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. All right. Obviously, the word world means something different depending on the context it's used. Okay? But here, this passage is quite clear that Christ wasn't praying for everybody. All right? So what does John 3.16 mean? And it's either, you know, understood as the world of the elect or the world of the Jews, you know, not only the world of the Jews, but also the Gentiles, okay? It can't mean everybody who ever lived, ever lived with that exception, all right? And Arthur Pink has a really good article on this word world. The Greek word for world is cosmos, okay? And it goes through all the different uses of it. And I think you just need to search on it. Now, search on, on cosmos in a Greek Greek uh, Bible, or just go on Pristine Grace and search for Cosmos. That's Cosmos, starting with the letter K. I, it's an excellent article. I do recommend you check it out if you have questions about that. But I'm going to go back to my point. These religionists that love to continually mischaracterize me because I don't believe in preaching that God loves everybody and wants everybody to be saved. And not only do free willers say this about me, but even so-called uh, Calvinists that 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 claim to, to believe in the five points of Calvinism they 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 just give lip service to it really they're just they're just free wars themselves uh, just a little bit different not much but they they say that I don't believe in preaching the gospel because I'm not standing on a street corner trying to make converts because I'm not passing out tracts trying to convince people of their need for Christ of not saying God loves you and wants to save you, all right? That's that's bullcrap. I, I, I apologize for my language there. I shouldn't have said that. But, I, I, but the, I'm sorry. But the truth is, God does all the preaching. I'm, God does all the convincing. I'm, I'm just a mouthpiece, all right? And I can't persuade anybody to believe the truth, okay? And having known what I do now for so long... Nor would I want to be able to convince anybody. I wouldn't want to convince anyone of the truth. Okay? If I, you know, because if that if that burden was mine, I, I wouldn't want that burden is what I'm trying to say. So I love being able to tell people the truth and I love seeing them convinced that it's the truth. But I don't, I, I don't want the, I don't want the burden of trying to convince them and feeling upset when they couldn't be convinced. All right? Paul couldn't persuade Lydia. He couldn't convince the Gentiles. It's the Lord who opened the heart of those who were ordained to eternal life. And it was the Lord who opened the heart of Lydia. All right. And if you believe, if you believe, if you love the same gospel that I do, if it's God who brought the gospel message to your ears or your eyes and opened them up for you and caused you to receive it as good news. Simple as that. So... 
I, I do believe in preaching the gospel. I love it. Obviously, I do, or I wouldn't have a website. And I, don't, and I spend a lot of time proclaiming the truth. You know, I'm sitting here taking my time out on a, on a Thursday evening to, treat, to preach the truth of Christ, to preach the gospel. I'm not getting paid for it, you know. And making convert converts isn't going to help me financially. I'm not asking for any donations from anybody. I believe in providing everything that I do free of charge. The Lord has given me good good employment and a capability to earn money outside of preaching the gospel. And so it's real it's a real blessing for me to be able to give him my time and my resources and and then and just to uh, give tell others of the knowledge that I have. And the religious world out there, they're gonna continue to mischaracterize me and people like me because they simply don't know the truth. All right, and I'll, I'll tell it to anybody who wants to listen to me. But I know most folks out there are simply just uninterested. So I don't go around trying to convince them. I don't, I don't try to tell everybody at work, you know, what I believe. All right, I'm not standing out on the street corner. I don't, you know, I've, I've got my truck down in the shop. I don't walk down there handing out tracks. Okay, because I know God's got his sheep out there. And he's going to direct the gospel message to them at his appropriate time. I'm not out there trying to force it. And I'm glad to be a part of it whenever it happens. Okay, but because I'm not out there proclaiming God loves everybody and wants everybody to be saved, that apparently makes me a harsh and cold hyper-Calvinist that apparently doesn't believe in preaching the gospel. No, whatever, yeah. Haters are going to hate, as they say. Haters are going to mischaracterize and paint a different picture that they can easily tear down. All right. And uh, yesterday I was reading Facebook and I, I read something on Richard Warmack's Facebook page. And he, he included an excerpt from the 18th century theologian John Gill, uh, for those of you who don't know John Gill, John Gill had a ministry. He actually uh, was a preacher there at the Metropolitan Tabernacle before Charles Spurgeon took it over. And uh, it was his ministry. He, uh, 18th century preacher there. He, uh, was, inst he was inst his, his words, his books, his writings were instrumental in converting me to the truth many years ago. All right, his book, The Cause of God and Truth, is available for free online. You can get it on Pristine Grace in the book section. It's uh, you can get it for free. It's it deals wonderfully with all those free will or proof texts that are used to promote that promote the idea that salvation is dependent upon acceptance of their propositions. Anyway, what was quoted was some commentary on Acts thirteen twenty six. And I thought I would uh, include it in this message and read it to you. Just, you know, so just take a listen to what our brother Gil had to say. All right. And I love this. And I've believed it ever since I read it, for, read this of, from Gil. And I read it many, many years ago. It's commentary on Acts 13, 26. The gospel is not a proposal of terms by complying with which men may be saved as faith, repentance, and good works. 
which are not terms of salvation, but either blessings, parts, or fruits of it. But it is a declaration of salvation itself as being a thing done by Christ. It declares him to be the alone, able, willing, and all-sufficient Savior, and the salvation he has wrought out to be a great one, complete, spiritual, and everlasting, and that those that believe in him shall be saved with it. It is the word preaching salvation by him, showing that he has wrought out an everlasting righteousness for the justification of his people. Hence, it is sometimes called the word of righteousness, and that he has made peace and reconciliation by the blood of his cross, for which reason it is styled the word of reconciliation, and that eternal life is in him and by him, and therefore it is called the word of life. For the salvation it publishes includes all the blessings of grace and everlasting glory and happiness. It is the means of applying the salvation it declares. The Spirit of God comes by it, who, whilst it is preaching, falls upon and conveys himself into the hearts of men. Regeneration is ascribed to the word of truth. Faith comes by hearing, and sanctification is promoted and increased by it as an instrument, and after men believe in it, they are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, all which shows what a wonderful blessing the gospel is. And this was now sent not to the Jew only, enough to them in the first place, but to the Gentiles also. What a great commentary. What a wonderful word of truth from John Gill. Brothers and sisters, I, I am just thrilled, and I rejoice tonight. I rejoice in my salvation, and I, I would hope you rejoice in your salvation, because it was worked out for you before you were even born, before the foundation of the world. You were redeemed in Christ. So rest in Him, all right? He's your comfort, and He's your salvation. And that's about all I have for you for today. Okay? I would ask that you keep, please keep me, Renat, and Gabriel in your prayers as we continue to make videos like these for you. We, we do earnestly desire the ability to speak only the truth. Alright? So, gospel blessings to you tonight, and uh, have a good one. Good night.